Live from center court at Wimbledon. Oh, it sounds nice in here when you talk. Uh, it's no challenges raining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. Hello, Ben. Happy Wimbledon being over day. Yeah, happy Wimbledon. Wimbledon. We are so Wimbledon. We are Wimbledon. As the rich white ladies would say. How has it been for you? Overall thoughts? Yeah. Before we get into the specifics of what happened over these last two rounds? It's interesting because in order to talk about it, you do have to get into the specifics of the last two rounds because I think that it felt like a very weird tournament in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, but uh, just the weekend results and, and the way that the matches played out, um, I will remember this Wimbledon fondly. Why? Um, I think that we had a great women's final. Very good women's final. Um, with uh, Serena Williams and Angelique Kerber. I was, I was very, very happy about that and happy to see just a great display of women's tennis and to show holds of serves are great, but there are different ways to hold serve. And sometimes it's more entertaining one way and less entertaining another way. And I feel like uh, with Serena <laughs> and with Angie, they showed an entertaining way of, of, of showing how to, how to hold serve, although uh, the Kerber was eventually broken twice. But um, yeah, so I thought that, that was a great display there. I thought that the semifinals leading up to it, you know, great stories with Venus getting in there. Uh, but the tournament definitely felt weird from the men's side just because Novak did exit so early. Um, just the weird way that Roger uh, lost uh, as well, just, you know, with the falling and, and blowing a two sets to one lead on Milos. And so that was all kind of weird. And then at the end of the day, you get Andy Murray uh, beating Milos Ronich for his second Wimbledon title. I think that, uh, you know, it, it kind of feel good stories all around and even for the, the, the finals. For both Kerber and, and Raonic, the runners-up, I felt like this was still a phenomenal two weeks for them. So it just kind of felt like you could leave the tournament being like, I'm happy for everybody. Yeah. No, I think I think definitely on paper that's right. And I think that things did play themselves out pretty well on the women's side for sure. I think the women's tournament was pretty much great. I mean, the semifinal round wasn't awesome. Uh, well, I mean, it was I mean awesome in, in, in the definition of being awe-inspiring. Serena was that good against Vesnina. It's a quick match. wasn't a you know a classic per se, but Serena was at some of her best, and it was jaw dropping stuff that she was doing. It was. And the the, the Venus Kerber match wasn't great, but Venus clearly was a little bit I mean, gassed by the end of the tournament and having played singles and doubles all the way through, uh, caught up to her finally. And Kerber wasn't at her best either, but Kerber played pretty well, and Kerber certainly deserved to win that match. And the final was great. Women's final was spectacular. Um, just the right. You mentioned the, the holding serve, and there were a lot of more holes in that match than I would have expected. Yeah. I mean, I would not have expected Serena. If you told me Serena would only break twice in this match, I would have worried for her. <laughs> Super weird. Um, I would have not thought that she would have won necessarily. But it wound up being enough. I mean, Serena defended, played, served herself really well, better than she has all year. Kerber said herself that was the big difference between the Australia final and, and the Wimbledon final. And what we flagged final. as being yeah. kind of the, the, big, the big difference between those two. Obviously, they're completely different games, but <laughs> on this surface... Uh, no surface rewards Serena as much as grass and the serve, you know, a bunch of us were kind of talking a lot about issues of belief and, you know, tennis is so mental and it's between the ears. Yes, but sometimes it's X's and O's. And at the end of the day, I think that uh, Angelique Kerber acquitted herself incredibly well um, in that final to show that, you know, Australia was not a fluke, that she is actually kind of a legit X's and O's rival to Serena Williams on the court. I think legacy-wise, this was a big tournament for Kerber. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just in terms of proving herself being, like, getting to a second final means the first one wasn't a fluke, first of all, even if it felt that way at times when you get to play, like, Conta in a, in a semifinal, which is totally unexpected. Uh, and then, in backing it up here, played a, played a great tournament. 
uh, getting to the final, first of all, and then... And, and then, losing to a very good yeah. Serena Williams. Beating, like, beating Halep and Venus. Yeah, and two then, top ten wins. Right, and then getting... <laughs> And then getting uh, Serena pushing Serena. I mean, she made Serena work for that. You know, uh, Beyonce, I was worried for a while that Beyonce would have come to a loss, which has just been awkward. <laughs> Let's be real. Beyonce and Jay-Z did not show up in their helicopter to watch Serena lose. No. That would have been strange. Yes. That would have been the wrong formation. Uh, <laughs> but this is, uh, but Kerber was just, Kerber was good enough to give a challenge. And it just sort of reminded me of the sort of, as Marco Rubio put it, what is it like to spell with That's the a fiction? That's a spell of the notion. That's a spell with the fiction that the three yeah. never had any rivals or something. I mean, like Kerber is arriving as a as a person who is great in these big matches, which we knew, but is getting there more often. We knew she made for good matches, which is getting to deep stages bigger, bet more off, no more longer, frequently. Yeah, I mean, I think and that, backing it up. Yeah, I think that with Angelique Kerber, she's no longer a one trick pony. I think that you know when you talk about the last couple of years with her career, always a solid player and always you know. Um, was right there in terms of you know making quarterfinals and being a player that you had to go through in order to to win a tournament. She was pretty good on that end, but there was kind of a sense that she had maxed out and that was it. And yeah. that was as good as she was ever going to be was a top ten player, like a six seven eight. Kind yeah, of player. six seven eight exactly. Always kind of like you know was coming down to the wire to qualify for Singapore type of player, you know, and who might occasionally score an upset, but it wasn't going to. It may be at the big stages, but it wouldn't lead to anything more than that. And not often a slam upset. Exactly. And, yeah. and what was so great about her run here, you know, she was asked before the tournament, you know, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel your preparation was? She's like, 11. And everybody kind of laughed. And even I laughed. And, and you know, and I just was like, okay, that's that's quite a bit of moxie, you know, to kind of have. Kerber um, swag. Yeah, some Kerber swag. But then she goes and backs it up, doesn't drop a set en route to the final. And then, yeah, plays a great final against Serena. And, uh, you know, kind of solidifies herself as, as a, a name that needs to be on short lists when you start handicapping slams. And a name that, would, like you mentioned, in terms of legacy, I think that if she can win another slam, and I think that it's totally possible, she definitely showed that she's going to sure. be in the mix. She can be in the mix for the next while, especially with, you know, again, the eight, with the WTA being a bit more of an unpredictable roulette in terms of the seeds aren't all penned in to make the quarterfinals and semifinals where they have been in the ATP. Or oh, maybe that's ending in the ATP. I don't know. But uh, for now, I mean, Kerber, I think, like I said, is, I think one slam, one more slam away from being like a Hall of Fame lock. Which she, if you, if you a play, year if ago, you, which yeah. you, if you said that, people would laugh at you. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I will say about Kerber is that Serena respects the hell out of her. I think that Serena respects what you do on the court. And I think that with Serena, she is now seen against Angelique Kerber, a player who goes out there and is not just a pusher. Like, she doesn't not make mistakes because she's not gunning for it. She puts Serena in incredibly awkward situations on the court and doesn't—Serena's not comfortable necessarily out there. She was comfortable in this final because she had, you know, that X factor, which is the serve. So she knew Serena always—Serena always knew that— you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to break my serve, and I don't think you can do that. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm going to double down on that bet that that's not happening. So, um, but you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I kind of just feel like if 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 one of the greatest of all time, who just won her 22nd major title, open era tying record, uh, 22nd major title, uh, respects you as a competitor, as a person, and in your game style, uh, I think it's time for. You know the Kerber jokes and the the punch Kerber punchlines to kind of uh, uh, kick to the curb. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit on the semifinal podcast, which you were not <laughs> on. But there was this sort of, I mean, I think you can cut it either way. There were highs and lows in terms of. I saw someone, I think it was, I forget who it was, it tweeted that Kerber 
that saying Kerber had been crap since Yasha showing up and was like fitting into a media narrative and that she hadn't been completely crap. No, that's true. And she had been all, I mean, you could point out early losses for sure. And, and I guess I was thinking for myself, the tournaments I was at barring Charleston where I left early and she made semis, but she lost early in Madrid, lost early in Rome, lost early at the French Open. So I'd seen her lose early a bunch, but she had also won Stuttgart. She had made semis of Miami. Uh, there were other things that she'd done. And so, I mean, it hasn't been completely... Brisbane. Brisbane. Uh, that was before Australia. But I know, yeah. but... But yeah, uh, yeah, she's done. She's done decently well for sure. For not like living up to her ranking. Well, all the time. I think that. I, but yeah, I think there's an argument to be made. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but she, I mean, especially since Azarenka has been the most successful first-time champion in a very long time in terms of like somebody who won a Grand Slam title and then backed it up. She really didn't slump. She had you know those. You know, because you have to look at her career pre-Australian Open. She was always prone to dips and spurts, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so that remained the same. Like, she hasn't leveled off to be, like, a consistent semifinalist at every single tournament she enters. But, I mean, she has outperformed herself, absolutely. And um, and she really didn't have much of a dip. I mean, outside of February and, and you know, early March, uh, she's been pretty okay. And then we, we all know what happens with her. I mean, what she did with in Madrid, Rome, and the French Open is pretty much par for the course, unfortunately, for Angie Kerber in those three tournaments because she, she just, for whatever reason, can play well at the start of the clay tournament or clay season, and then those three tournaments she, she historically has never really performed well in. So that's been a lot on Kerber. Let's get to Serena, who is the woman of the hour slash week slash century at this point, mm-hmm. winning her 22nd, finally matching Steffi Graf, which <laughs> had been this thing that had been hanging over her uh, fairly or unfairly since the U.S. Open when she had the chance to equal it for the first time and lost to Vinci and also lost the Grand Slam bid. Uh, Patrick Mortoglu was very quick to say afterwards, after her winning the title here, that just he didn't realize how he thought that the Vinci loss had hurt her more than he realized or that she realized or something that she hosed in herself until here. Did you, do you do you buy that theory that it was all back dating back to the Vinci loss? Or I, I definitely think she was herself here in a way that she hadn't been, definitely at the French. The French, she was not really... Anyway, her best those matches against you know Burton's and Putin Seva were very and even Muguruza were fairly scratchy from her. Uh, and here she was, with the exception of the the kind of wonky match against McHale, was more or less at her best from start to finish, or definitely from McHale on. Sadakovich wasn't a very convincing win either, but from McHale on, she was pretty much peak Serena or vintage Serena or the Serena you expect to see. I don't know what your question was because you qu- meandered. My, so, I did completely just, meander. Yeah, my, I, I, my question what is, is the my, question? My, okay. <laughs> my question is, isn't Serena really good? <laughs> Serena is very good. And, and, and I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, I know that Patrick and Serena have different opinions about that Vinci loss. Um, she downplays it. He, um, she kind of says, you know, it wasn't, you know, when people said, you know, did that, you know, uh, shock you to your core or shatter you. She's shook like, you, no, yeah. shook you. Yeah. She's like, no, it didn't shake me. But let's, you know, when you take everything into the context, you know, now, she goes and we already were saying all through last year that Serena wasn't playing that great last no. year. She she really scrapped and fought and battled. And Here she was herself. okay. Yeah, at, the, at, the, at Wimbledon. Well, yeah. yeah, at Wimbledon. But but Australian Open, French, um, and leading into the US Open, she wasn't fantastic. No. Um, so her record, I think, overinflated. Uh, the confidence I think many people, including myself, had in terms of her her chances to get that 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 title at the U.S. Open, and I think that you know and how she lost it was so sad. And how she lost. So then she yeah. loses, you know, obviously in, in the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Her next tournament is the Australian Open. 
she played Hotman Cup or whatever, but you know, barely, barely, and and but she took the rest of the season off. So to, basically, if you like, think of it that way, that it wasn't like she played a bunch and then she went to the Australian Open and lost. It was her next tournament. Of course, there's going to be more nerves. Of course, there's going to be kind of some demons that you haven't probably actually had to face because you haven't been back on the tennis court um, in a high pressure situation in six months in or four months, I guess it was. And so, yeah, but she played, as we said then, great tennis in Australia up until the Kerber match. Right. She looked phenomenal. Then she goes through. She takes those losses in India Wells and in Miami. And you start to wonder what's up. And then, you know, the French was not great. I still think that the, the weather gods conspired against her a little bit in, in terms of the shape she went. She came. Yeah, she back was to in. back to back. So yeah. yeah in, in that final. But I think that, you know, time heals. She gets back to Wimbledon, a place where she knows she has great success, a place, like I said again, that rewards her strengths and that that serve. And she had that serve going. And as the tournament rolled on, especially after the McHale match, she knew she had her game. She knew her game was back. So if my game is back, the only other thing that I have to control are my nerves. And I think at that point, enough time has gone on, basically 12 months, because the, the, the nervousness really started after Wimbledon because that's yeah. when everything started to ramp up for the calendar slam and all the discussion and the spotlights and the media attention and the fan attention and all that sort of stuff. It's been 12 months on, you know, and, and I think that Serena finally, as she, she told us in our small um, small interview that, you know, she woke up one day after the French Open and she stopped feeling sorry for herself and she stopped feeling kind of woe is me. You know, that look that we all recognize yeah. of Serena when things aren't going well on the court and she cries to the heavens just with a, a look cry of baby, anguish. Cry baby arena, people call it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't call it, but that's fair enough. But, um, and no. she stopped and she basically took control over her career, not career because we're talking about Turner, but took control of her life again and took control of her emotions. And she's been incredibly controlled throughout the tournament. So her performance in the final wasn't surprising at all. And I think that she didn't have time to get nervous again. This goes back to you talking about her respect for Kerber because Mm. she went out there knowing that she couldn't, you know, lollygag around and survive that match. She got off to a slow start in Australia and never totally dug out of that hole. And here she didn't let herself do that. I mean, the first set was so tight. when I I think she was, again, probably surprised not to get a break any of Kerber's first five service games and not get that many. She got looks in the first game. Beyond that, not that many. Uh, so yeah, so it, it's uh, I think a testament to both of them that Serena brought out her best in that match, and it was refreshing to see. Now that she's tied with Steffi, uh, hopefully all the pressure's off. I do not want to hear Mark. I'm not going to buy into Margaret Court talk. No, the 24 talk not, is no. No, Margaret Court is I'm sure, was a lovely player. Was a very good player, but the 24. This is again, it's just not apples to apples at all. Margaret Court, first of all, open air is a huge deal. Lots of people uh, may, might not realize what exactly that means. So basically, anyone who wanted to be professional. Uh, before 1968 could no longer compete in Grand Slam tournaments. So the best players were all leaving, except for those who got enough support from their federations, and Tennis Australia was a very supportive federation uh, that let her keep playing through a lot of those years. And she, I, don't, I don't think she ever turned pro before the opener. I'm not 100% sure on that, but she definitely kept playing and racked up a bunch of wins then. And also, she won, I think, 13 of her 24, 11 of her 20, some double-digit amount of her 24 in Australia, back when almost nobody was traveling there to the Australian Open. It was definitely considered... And the French Open, too, is also much lower status. It was a different tennis landscape. It was 32-player draws. Sometimes she was winning in Australia with almost entirely Australian competition. Yeah, newsflash tennis history is messy. And it's really it's new. It's really messy. It, because yeah. things changed, and the way that we perceive these tournaments now... Changing. Yeah, and the, the way that we perceive these tournaments now, they... 
were not how they were perceived back then. So I, I don't, he, I don't think that the court, yeah, and record even, and, and is even, something to shoot. For. And even when it go, and it also diminishes in the same way. Uh, Chris Everett and Everett Love's yeah. numbers because they, especially Everett, I think in particular because she was a dominant clay court player who skipped a, at least a few French Opens because she wanted to play world team tennis instead. And there wasn't this leaderboard, scoreboard, history counting is they the ultimate know. metric. They yeah. didn't know that like that, this is how that be 25, measured. Yeah. 30 years later that people would be looking and stacking up slam titles. At the time, the money was not what the money is now. You'd rather go get paid playing world team tennis. And other exhibitions. Or and exhibitions yeah. and things. I mean, you go read the Connors book about all the crazy stuff they were doing at the towards the end of the open era and the beginning of the open era in terms of just making money so yeah. that they could be professional tennis players and put food on the table. And that meant that the slams took a hit. And so they don't... They weren't seen the same as back then. If they, if she beats Margaret Court, great. If she doesn't, I don't care. Basically, it's my take. And yeah, nor no, should she I don't care. Think it, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I just don't think it matters. Yeah. Um, I think she will, but I just don't think it matters. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that like 24 is going to okay. be like, hey, you got 24. It's like, okay, you got, you got your 24th major title. Yeah. No, it'll be great. Again, I'm, I'm not sure that she will. Like I said, I think in our Scotland episode. Uh, when we were in, in Edinburgh, that uh, I wasn't convinced for 100% that she'd even get 22. She did. Obviously, she proved me wrong at the next <laughs> possible opportunity. Just, just the <laughs> chilliest take. Uh, but yeah, but she, but she might not get 23. She might not get 24. Whatever. Celebrate her for what she's done. She's pretty cool. She's pretty great. She's been winning things since. She you know, got Beyonce to Wimbledon, you guys. That's pretty good. That's done. a win for tennis. Done. We had to go to Beyonce. She brought Beyonce came to her. I was I was looking because I was sitting. The media seats are pretty much diagonally across from uh, the Bay player Bay. box, so I was pretty much staring at Beyonce the entire match. <laughs> she didn't she didn't emote a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's but she'd have one nice double fist pump. She was always slow to react to things. I'm not sure she. I could be wrong. I'm not sure her like knowledge of the tennis rules are the best, but Jay was pretty on top of it. And so when Jay cheered, she would cheer, and things were fine. So Jay's seen Tiafo play. He knows his tennis. Yeah, probably, presumably he has. Yeah. Uh, although they're not together anymore. No. Sad story. Um, boys, Andy Murray winning. I think, again, it was not, I don't think, a particularly satisfying men's tournament on several metrics because, I mean, these are weird metrics. We didn't get a single big four match, which we're so used to, and we should be able to survive a slant without a big four <laughs> matchup. <laughs> let's, let's be real. But I just feel like Murray um, had the easiest shards ever had to a slam, which he completely deserves, by the way, because you look at who he's played in his past slam finals. It's been Federer, no, Federer, sorry, I start from, from the beginning. Federer, Federer, Novak, Federer, Novak, 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 Novak. I think that's 10. It's been a lot. And then you get Ronich, and you can't feel bad for the guy. No. <laughs> no, because, and, and even if he was, a, he was a heavy favorite, the final was really boring. It was a boring final. I'm sorry. I was bored. I am not. You and I went to the souvenir shops during the second set. Bought more postcards. Bought more postcards. We're still sending out postcards, you guys. Uh, Don't if you, if, you, if you haven't gotten your French yeah. or Wimbledon Pro postcards yet, it's it's not going to. It most hasn't fallen most, through the cracks. Right. We're going to do them. It's just not all done yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just, it was a kind of a throwbacky match. And it was, again, I've talked about this before with Ronich. Ronich style and, and Tom Parada wrote an article about this week that was very explicit on these terms that Ronich is a ghost of Wimbledon past and he plays a sort of serve dominated game that was very prevalent in the 90s in men's tennis and it's why honestly I didn't like men's tennis in the 90s I didn't it's, it's, it's not the most satisfying to watch it makes for really uh, you know routine Metronomic sets tennis. yeah and just like just like sets just move by and it just feels like a chore to get to the tie break and I realize the same thing can be said about Isner or about Karlovich or whatever with Ronich though he's good enough that he's getting deep into these tournaments 
and but the, but the patterns are more or less still the same. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's just it's just not, I mean I, I'm obviously not blaming the guy for this. I mean if he wanted to start pulling out some Red Vonska hot shots, I'd be all here <laughs> for it. But uh, yeah, but it's just it was a, it was a dull final. I think one of the most dull Grand Slam finals I can remember since Nadal Ferrer. Yeah, that was 2013 bad. French. That was bad. Yeah, no, I mean, in Miloš's defense, I will I will put forth the defense. In Miloš's defense, I think that he is more than a serve. Oh, he is. I mean, he's 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 great. I mean, his forehand is fantastic. You know, he's always just going to have to battle. It's a weird thing. It's like he's going to just have to battle his body. Like his body is just like the way that, which is incredibly strong and tall and like whatever. But the foot speed, being, he doesn't have that agility that a Delpo has or, or yeah. even a Chilich has. Yeah. You know, those big guys who can really really move, and so he's going to always kind of like be be. Have, being forced to attack, which is just going to play into the hands of the likes of the Novaks and the Andes and, you know, those players who are just, they, all they want to do all day is just sit there and hit passing shots and they're happy to do it. I mean, I think the final was just so weird. I mean, what, Andy won more off of his first serve than, than Raonic? He only served, like, one fewer ace than yeah, Raonic? Yeah, Murray, Murray had much better nuts. serving stats than Raonic, the weirdest stat of all. <clears throat> was that Raonic won more, a higher percentage of points off his second serve than his first serve? Mm-hmm. It was just strange. Yeah, it was strange. It wasn't particularly. It was difficult because on on one, it's it's a weird match because on one hand, there was only one break of serve the entire match. Yeah. Okay. So theoretically, so in, especially in the second and third sets, they're rolling along. There are a few looks here, a few looks there for Mandy to break. I think Raonich got one break point. That Andy two break points that yeah. Andy saved for fifteen forty. But for, otherwise, it was just kind of rolling along. But really, that should amp up the tension as you get closer to a tie break and then you realize oh crap Andy Murray has to play a tie break amidst Milos Raonic and yeah. you know this is going to be difficult and yet the, the tension never came no and I was, I think, really I was thinking about why. it I, I was writing the, the game story for it and I was just saying basically because Milos went down a break mid first set mm-hmm. he went down I think at 4-3 I think he got broken in the seventh game uh, the all important seventh game uh, whatever and so he was behind that set and then he was down a set and so he was always down. And then once he got to a tie break, he immediately went down the tie- a mini break in both tie breaks. Each change of ends of the tie breaks, it was 5-1 yeah. in both tie breaks. So yeah. it's just like, it was just like when it got to what should be the exclamation point on the end of the set, it was just kind of a dud. Yeah. And that's, it was not great. It, I mean, it's not, it's not, not all matches are great. And this goes back to some of the arguments against the, the Vezinina point. Okay, people who were this whole, I did not expect it to get brought up, this whole equal prize thing again. But then for some reason, <laughs> no it just one ever had to. It. People make the people ask the women about it. Like, it's their fault for having the tournament and the tour designate a format they play. Like, I mean, what? Should they not go out there and be competitive? They both. Andy and Milos were doing all they could out there. It just didn't happen to combine to make great tennis, the most, the most dramatical tennis. And that's okay. It's a competitive sport. It's a bit of a crapshoot. It's not scripted. There's yeah. not always going to be, you know, great drama. Like, I mean, it's, it's, and, it's and, a, yeah. It's a funny thing of, like, with Serena and the Viznina match. It's like, really? Serena has to sit there and defend herself because she's super, super, super good, and she was super better than her opponent? And, but you want to now penalize her for her... And it's the same sort of and thing with And because she's Murray. an efficient, efficient worker, she gets exactly. paid less? That, I, that, that's not no, how any industry you tell, works. You gave me a task. I completed it real fast. What, what you want to demote me? Yeah. Um, what? So, you know, with Andy and Roundage, Andy played fantastic today. He was yeah. at a very high he level was. today. So it's, again, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's not their... Like, if you want drama, if drama is the only thing that, 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 that uh, we 
use to say whether a match is good or not. I'm not saying that's not a right way. I'm just saying, but if you use that, then yeah, when somebody's really good and much better than their opponent, there's not going to be drama. There would have been drama if Andy was the Andy of two years ago and decided to complicate things and yeah, fell down a break in the second set. And yeah, like you know, got nipped in the, the tie break in the third set. And then next thing you know, you're, you're, you're rolling in a four set or five setter that didn't need to be. And then the criticism is like, oh, Andy Murray is terrible. It's like, no, he was really good today. That was like peak Andy Murray tennis. And it was a, it was a, it was a snoozer of a match. It happens. It happens. Snoozers happen. Snoozers happen. No, but for Andy, I mean, Mon Legacy, it's just so overdue for him to get a third slam. It's so deserved. I mean, it's his 11th slam final. Which again, I keep saying, I feel like it caught up on us at Andy Murray yeah. in this many slam finals. But 11 here, finally gets his third. Hugely deserved not to have to, to get one that, like, it sort of fell his way for the very first time. Somewhere Amelie Moresmo's like, dude, kid never got that draw when I was coaching him. Right? Yeah. Just I also, I just don't buy into Lendl getting credit for this win at all. They're all that's, giving him tons of credit. It, even Andy was like, no, I don't think it's a coincidence that yeah. Lendl's back. And I think I think it is a coincidence that Lendl's back and you got to play Songa Burditch Ronit should win a slam. <laughs> that's true. But that's just me. Murray gets the third slam. And I feel like it just elevates him in terms of, again, the scoreboard counting, the count of slam wins being the be-all, end-all definer of what kind of tennis player you were now in common currency of, of slams. He has more slams than Stan. He now has more slams than Stan, which is good. He has more than Kuznetsova, which is good. <laughs> I mean, he's just three, the difference between three and two, and the difference between two Wimbledon to one Wimbledon. And I don't think it'll be the last for him. No. I, I think that he, with how men's tennis is breaking, namely breaking down, namely Federer and, and all sort of e- exiting, and Djokovic having one loss, but maybe, I mean, Djokovic won't be getting to every single final for the rest of Murray's career. I expect Murray to win a few more. I would think Murray would could, uh, who knows, but he'll That's, have chances. I find that interesting that you think Murray will win a few more, but you kind of just don't, you, you, you're so like uh, ambivalent about, or don't. On Serena? On Serena. I think that the landscape is much better in men's tennis in terms of you, for buying future prospects. I think women's tennis is full of many more capable players who are, who are younger and coming up and, and doing things. I mean, Ronich took so long to get to a first final, and when he got there, he was no match. In, in women's tennis, you had both Kerber and Muguruza getting deep and, and beating yeah, Serena. And that's true. I don't know, it just feels like the, the young guns are, are closer in, in, the in, women's, in women's game, game for sure. sure. And Serena's older than, much older than Andy. No, Amy, yeah, I know by, that. But I just feel like years. the level of domination, I don't know, the level of domination and the level, of, I don't know. I think that if Serena is back, if she is back, if she has now snapped back into it, I just have a hard time seeing her not continue to win slams not at the clip that she won last year i just think she has a smaller window because of her age well yeah no she, that's yeah. definitely true too yeah fair enough yeah fair enough so uh yeah so murray uh well he can he do you think he can make a push for number one that's the one thing he hasn't done he's cl- he gained some ranking points this was a good point in terms of getting a, a djokovic third round loss and a murray win this was a big swing for him in ranking points he's over ten thousand ranking points for the first time in his career which is a whole lot of ranking points it's way more and Serena has to use another Serena Murray comparison. Just shows how much more isolated the top two are in the uh, in the men's game in terms of ranking points. I don't know. Do you think Do you think Murray can can ride this into being? Or does he have to actually beat Djokovic to do that? Got to win tournaments. Yeah. The thing that makes Novak Djokovic so incredible right now as a dominant number one, irrespective of what happened here at Wimbledon, is that he wins every freaking tournament. He's winning all of the Masters. He's winning consistently outside of the majors. I mean, how do you make up those? I'm just thinking math. How do you make up those points if you're not winning those? Yeah. Like, you know, unless he's going out early. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with Novak on the on the bounce back over the summer. 
you know, how, I mean, I'm sure the Olympics obviously will be a big, big uh, focus for him. It's the, the one thing he doesn't have is a gold medal. Um, and, you know, and Cincinnati. I mean, and Cincinnati. So there you go. But, you know, I, I don't think I, I'm not all that concerned about Novak Djokovic, that's, which is why I just think the conversations about is Andy uh, closing the gap to, with Novak? Is he uh, can he push for the number one ranking? I think that's incredibly premature. I, I think that Probably Novak is. is still he is still Novak. And until he shows more signs that there is a, a, a change, that the wind is changing, um, then I think that he's still he's still the guy. I think he's probably definitely still the guy. He's been the guy, so the guyless, yeah, guyishly. I mean, Andy's guy-fully. closing the gap in yeah. terms of quality. I mean, he, Andy's improving. As Andy's a year's player. been incredible. That's another part of the yeah. reason why I'm not buying into the Lendl thing. So Andy had an unbelievable year before Lendl showed up. I mean, Australian Open final, um, Miami final. No, no. What did he do, in Miami? He played Miami. Let's move on from Miami. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, Madrid final, Rome win. He's been doing great, and French Open final. All before Lendl. So don't tell me that Lendl showed up and now suddenly this guy's like can play tennis. It's peculiar. It's an odd, it's an odd narrative. Um, yeah. Uh, one guy we didn't mention much in the semis, we probably should, is Federer. Yeah. Uh, Federer lost a one he probably should have won in the semis against yeah. Ronich. We got two sets to one. Uh, yeah, just uh, let it go. And for, for Federer, it has to be a... Our, I mean, we said so many, everyone said so many times about Federer, but last best chance. But this was a good chance. And he hasn't lost Andy Murray in forever. Even if it, in his diminished form, he would have a lot of confidence going into that match. Uh, and he just couldn't, couldn't get it done. Yeah. So it was rough to watch, especially when he had some injury concerns in, in the fifth. It was just like, eh. I feel like the loss in and of itself was like more disappointing than the lost opportunity, in my opinion. Okay. Um, as Roger said in his press conference, he still would have been the underdog in the final. Yeah. Andy would have been the favorite. He would sure. have been the favorite to win. Um, you know, Roger coming off of, of injury still doesn't really know where his body is and, and uh, where it was fitness-wise. And, and we saw what that was, which is that it completely gave out on him um, against Raonic. And uh, he needed to, to clean that up in four sets. The, the, or Five sets. Four s- oh, he could have won it in four yeah, sets. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. He yes, should have yes. cleaned that up in four sets. It never should have gone to a fifth. Right. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's disappointing. I think that for him it was – it seemed to me, um, and I wasn't in the room. I, I only read the transcript. But it seemed to me a pretty a pretty humble Roger um, coming back on it. Just like, you know, he wasn't um, – there was a sense of mortality about him uh, in this press conference. And that in, not just that how the reporters were seeing him, but how he was seeing himself yeah. as well. That there was, there was a – things are changing. And, and, and that this, the way that that match went – it's just not how he thought it would go. And we've had this conversation about Roger in the past about how, not that things go come easy for him, but that he's not really used to, like... He seemed sort of genuinely surprised to have been knocked out of a slam at Milos Raonic. Yeah, well, There was a sense fair. of that. It's just like, <laughs> I thought that I would not be doing this yeah. today. This was not how I thought this would go. <laughs> yeah, it was kind yeah. of like that tone. It was yeah. like, I, when I woke up today, this is not what I thought was going to happen. And so... Yeah, yeah. So, so it'll be interesting to see with Roger what happens next, when his next tournament will be, because um, just physically, it feels like he needs just like a long base session of just like a, a fitness session. Um, you know, go to Dubai and spend like you know three to four weeks hard work and and that sort of thing. And whether his Rio. Bo- yeah. yeah, and then Rio and and whether his body is up for it or not. 
you know, obviously he 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 wants to win in Rio as well. And I would just say also on the fall he took, he's not sure how, but he said it didn't feel good the rest of the match's knee. Yeah. So we don't know if that is a serious injury. It was the same knee I think he had operated on mm. uh, with the torn meniscus in February. So yeah, so possible concerns there. Yeah. So we'll see. And it's just yeah, like you said, the mortality. I mean, it's been an unusually unfun year to be Roger Federer, and normally being Roger Federer is like the best thing ever. It seems pretty cool. Yeah. It seems pretty cool. Yeah. So. There we go. That was the Wimbledon 2016. Uh, favorite memories from this tournament? Lasting memory? Lasting Anything? memory? Um, getting to go to Beyonce on Middle Sunday. Yes. That well, was... Yeah, wrap that up. We didn't talk oh, yeah. about that. So oh, yeah. So we, we did make it, you guys. We did make it. I know it. you all were so invested in our journey. But um, we did make it. It was, it was, it was, it was close because, obviously, they, they announced that Middle Sunday there would be play, and I had the tickets to Beyonce for Middle Sunday out at Wembley Stadium. And I tried to sell them, and then there were so many, like, there was so much red tape about getting somebody else's name on the tickets and whatever that it just didn't seem to make sense. Like, I might have to, like, go down to Wembley Sunday morning and, like, pick them up in order to sell them to somebody, which I have to work on Sunday morning, yeah. obviously, so that can't and do that. And Wembley's nowhere near Wembley. No, super far. So, um, so yeah, so we kind of held on to the tickets, and then once the order of play came out on Saturday, we looked at the order of play, and we're like, hold up. like Hold up. Hold up. Um play might actually finish by four o'clock or three o'clock i mean the you know everything was really front-loaded to get done so we we're like okay if it doesn't rain this is possible so yeah didn't rain play got finished everything got filed and we all piled into an uber and uh headed down there ben myself uh tamani carriel um uh, brian armand graham and matt trelope and uh yeah had a lovely time ate burger king afterwards at earl's court um <laughs> she, it was good she so, slayed yeah, she slayed. Um, it was an unbelievable show. So, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Other cool memories. Um, Venus in press conference. It was in a good... I mean, Venus in press is a curious animal because she either doesn't show up completely, <laughs> shows up and set, wants to say nothing, or is this, like, wonderful fountain of philosophy. Yeah. This was mostly the latter of this tournament, almost entirely, and it was a treat. No, she, she was just... Uh, she had words, and they were deep, and they were like. Uh... And she was also in a good mood. She was very. She was laughing. She yeah. was very jovial. So Venus Impress was was an absolute joy. I, I did enjoy that. Um, and then, you know, the phenomenon of, of Sam Query. I just, I still can't believe that he was the guy to knock. I mean, to beat Novak, and those videos going viral was hilarious. I just, you know. I, the, everything about this tournament was so weird to me. Um, it was a strange one, but it was so much better than the French Open. Can we oh agree? my gosh! Oh my gosh! Can we agree? Ended the nut trip on such a better note. Yes, we both sure. we've both been over here since ten weeks. Ten weeks. We both since the Madrid. I was thinking, who else has been over here as long as me? Just you. And yeah, so, so ten weeks. We're going home. You going home tomorrow? Yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so ready. I'm done. It is time to get out. <laughs> Uh, and with that, we will get out of this show. Thank you guys very much for joining us on this episode. No challenges remaining from Wimbledon. If you want to follow along when you're not listening, you can do so. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Subscribe to us on a podcast app and get the episodes downloaded to you automatically, which is just great and makes your life much easier. Uh, and that includes iTunes and leave reviews on iTunes and ratings and thoughts and feelings and all that stuff. Uh, send us emails for any thoughts you have. Uh, no challenges remaining at gmail.com. Like we said, we're still doing the postcards. So yep. you, once again, Patience. just if you, if, you, if you missed it, we postcards are coming. And, you, when, and you, once, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, and once we get back to the States, for those of you who had the rewards of the Skype calls, yes. executive producing, and episodes all of those and things like that, we are going to get on that and, and you'll be yeah. hearing from us very shortly. This was not the time. This, this trip was prohibitive yeah. to all that stuff, but we'll get all that done in due time. Uh, yeah, and if you have questions on that, if you want to send us an email proactively being like, hey, I have a exactly. question or stuff, we would happily appreciate you doing that as well. Uh, executive producers, speaking of Kickstarter backers, are Panthers and this of tennisballs.com and Tao Woolly. Courtney, you have you want to rant about anything? Go first. Every time when I'm in Wimbledon, and I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but I always get in a rut where at one particular tournament, I eat like the same kind of food over and over again. <laughs> and it always, it just, it, it depends a lot. Um, like in, uh, at the French Open, we always eat kebab. Yep. All the time. And it, I, so I have like, you know, nine or ten nights of eating yep. just kebab, which is strange and not really Parisian. Yep. And when we live, for some reason, I always binge on peanut butter and jelly. That's weird. I always buy it and every morning. I always, because I guess that's the plate where I stay has a toaster. That's new. So I make it and just like eat peanut butter and jelly for breakfast every single morning. And I don't have it literally any other time in the entire year. <laughs> but here, I will have eaten about 14 or 15 peanut butter jelly sandwiches okay. in the last two weeks. It's been lovely. Strange, okay. random, but I'm all into it. Yeah, and then Australia, I eat dumplings nonstop. Yeah. In New York, I don't you know do what. You do get it's... obsessed with, like, a single thing, and then that becomes your, yeah. your go-to. And, and like, Cincinnati, I don't go to Applebee's any time of the year <laughs> besides that. And, yeah, and uh, Indian Wells, I get a lot of smoothies. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, 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 it, it cannot be good for my health, <laughs> this, this, this bizarre... Or it's just Seasonal you know eating. if you if your if your car only runs on like you know grade eighty seven unleaded fuel you can't then put ninety two in it and then like <laughs> it's gonna be like what so you kind of whatever you have going you kind of just gotta stick with it I guess so that I would be so. my argument yeah I feel I feel like there's a pretty good octane on the uh, on the PB and J so pretty good I'm I'm thinking should I try it when I get home like nah <laughs> Wimbledon next year it'll be waiting for me love it love your it. thoughts Courtney your rant raves. My rave, you know, I'm just going to stick to this very basic and very simple uh, rant. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why you just can't have ice <laughs> in Europe. It drives me absolutely nuts. The only thing I've been thinking about for the last 48 hours since I have like realized that I go home in 48 hours is the minute that I land, I'm going to get a big 64-ounce big gulp and fill it up to the very top with ice and just then throw it out on the street. Because that is how prevalent and free our country is when it comes to water, cold, and time. Because that's all ice is. And yet, it's treated here like it's some sort of weird commodity that they just can't import. Or make themselves. I just, I cannot. It's really frustrating. I like very cold drinks when I drink them. I've been drinking a lot of lukewarm, not lukewarm, just like tepid. Tepid is the only thing. And the only thing that I can get that's cold is beer. And that's not healthy. No. Not even that's That's coming from me. So there you go. I, I just, ice, man, look into it. It's good stuff. So we'll be back in America with our ice and our Sam Query and all those other wonderful things we have in America <laughs> uh, next week. We'll also be coming to you with a show from the homeland of the Wimbledon champion. Yes, we will. Andy Murray. Our trip to Dumbledore will be coming to your ears soon. We're excited about that. That was our first sort of kickstart. We secreted him. We yeah. secreted him into it. That's we did this. We made this decision to record this episode, and now he won Wimbledon. So it's kind of perfect. Thank you, Andy, for Thanks, cooperating. Andy. And with that, we and we'll also have at some point, hopefully before the US Open, NCR Vision results. I know you guys have asked about too. I actually haven't even tabulated the results yet, but I know it's close. Mm. So we'll see. And with that, bye guys. Bye from Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Wimbledon.
what's mine? I'm a star, I'm a star, cause I slay, 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 I